Hi, I'm Sylvain Berthelot, and you're listening to On One Condition, a podcast to raise awareness about health conditions to, by talking to people who live them every day. Today, my guest is Kara Yarnot, and we're going to talk about debilitating migraine. Hi, Kara. Thanks for joining me. How are you today? I'm very good. Thank you so much, Sylvain, for having me. Thank you for joining us and for sharing about your condition. Uh, as you know, and I'm sure our listeners know, I like starting with a song. So what song did you choose and why? So I chose uh, Times Like These by Foo Fighters. Uh, I'm a big fan of the band. Um, I live outside of D.C., which is where Dave Grohl is from as well. But okay. the song is about hope and looking forward. And no matter kind of where you are in your life, there's always great things coming. So just looking forward, times like these, we can learn to love again, as he says. So always looking forward. I love that song as well. And my one of my daughters actually played it at school. So uh, right. I, I got to learn the lyrics through that. So yeah, it's very good lyrics as well. Uh, so we're talking about debilitating migraine, which is something that affects you. Actually, we had to uh, postpone our recording because you couldn't make it last time because of it. Yes. How did you come to realize that you had this condition? So I had my very first migraine um, when I was 22 years old in 1995, Um and it, um, there's lots of, everyone experiences migraine differently. So my very first one was with what they call with aura. Um, so I started having um, black spots in my vision. So okay. that was my indication. And early on, probably for the first five or six years of me getting migraines, that's how I would know they were coming. Um, so it didn't, that was my indicator that they were coming. So I had this one day, I lived in Northern California at the time, I started to have these black spots in my vision. And within about a couple of hours, I started just having pain in my left side of my head that I had never experienced before, um, that hadn't gone away. So I went to the doctor. And that was when they said, we think you probably need to see a neurologist. This sounds okay. like um, it might be migraine. So that was the beginning of my now very long journey. I'll, I'll be 50 in a couple, less than two months from now. So it's been, it's been quite a long journey for, for me from that standpoint. So that was the, the beginning of that um, journey. So I knew um, that was how early on I would know migraines were coming. I no longer get that aura. They, I eventually, those go away for me now. I don't have the indicator that they are coming, but okay. um, the way they talk about that um, migraine is that I'll always be I'll always be one that has them with aura because that's how they started for me. So a lot of people do always have some sort of aura indicator visual in their visual field that um, something is coming. For some people, they're black spots. For some people, they're flashing lights. Uh, there's a I've gotten to know a lot of migrainers over my <laughs> um, lifetime. Yeah. So um, there's a lot of different ways. But for mine, they were black spots in my visual field is how I knew they were coming. And is it something that affects your vision then, or is it how it starts, but then you, you have a, a pain in your brain? 
Yes. So then it would, yeah, it would for a little bit of time. So maybe five or 10 minutes, the black spots would be there. Then they would eventually go away. Um, For other people, the, the vision, the visual field um, impacts are there for much longer time. So um, every migrainer's journey is, is very different. I don't, I've never met anyone who's is exactly like mine. Um, So every, everybody's um, experiences is very, very different from what, from what I understand. Uh, you were talking about how you uh, realized that you had migraine. Uh, you were referred to a neurologist. Was it easy to get diagnosed? Um, it was for me. It was relatively easy to get diagnosed. My general practitioner, I think, had a reasonable amount of experience with them, so she sent okay. me to a neurologist relatively quickly. Um, I have met people who had a hard time getting diagnosed. So I feel pretty lucky that I was taken seriously early on. Uh, My understanding is that they do impact women more often than men. Um, Migraines run on both sides of my family. So they have a lot of people on both sides of my family who have experience with them. So it wasn't necessarily surprising that I ended up there. Um, it, it, you know, my dad had suffered from them. One of my younger brothers had them as a child. He grew out of them. Um, so okay. my my sister has them, but not to the extent that I have. She's probably had four or five in her adult life. I probably have four or five a week sometimes. So it's wow. definitely a different, a different experience from that standpoint. I have um, a great aunt who I distinctly remember for a very long time, like family lore, like she would just be in her room for what felt like weeks or months on end. I think that's probably not true. It's probably just mm-hmm. built up in my head, but yeah. um, you know, it's definitely on both sides of my family. There, there are long history of migraine sufferers. Okay, so I guess you knew that how to to listen to the signs and okay, um, and so is it? Um, you you said that it like you had those aura and then you would know that it would come. How long does it take for it to come, and then how long does it last for? I'm so now. So when I first started having them, so the force for. Four or five years, I would have the aura and I would probably get the migraine. The pain would come on within an hour or two. I no longer get the aura. So the pain just appears for me. Um, So I don't get the I don't get the sign that it's coming. Um, So that's somewhat unfortunate um, that the aura has gone away. Uh, And now it depends. So once they come on, um, if. I have some medication I can take once they start, and it depends if it's going to work, if the medicine's going to work, um, I can usually get rid of the pain within a couple of hours. If the medicine's not going to work, um, it could be somewhere from eight hours to a couple of days before it is gone. Um, And then there's longer stretches where, you know, we call it caught in a cycle, um, where it could be three, four, five longer days before the pain is gone. Now, in those instances in the cycle, like I might 
for me, a cycle will be like, I'll wake up in the morning and I might be able to function. Okay. Mm -hmm. for Four or five hours. And then it gets worse for me later in the day. So by late afternoon, early evening, I'm not really able to function. Um, but I might be able to take, um, something a little bit stronger, more light narcotic, um, level to be able to go to sleep. And then I'll wake up in the okay. morning and I'll be able to function a little bit better. So I go through waves when I'm caught in a cycle. Um, and so I'll have, um, I'm much better early in the morning. So I'll often joke with people. If you want to make sure you schedule time with me, get on the <laughs> calendar first thing in the morning, pretty much any time. Cause you yeah. never know when I might be caught in a cycle. Um, so you, know, so those can last for days. Now my neurologist is great. There's things we call cycle breakers. So mm -hmm. if I do go more than a couple of days caught in a cycle, I can call the neurologist and they'll call in some cycle breaker. Um, often it's steroids. It'll just be a course of steroids, um, which is good because it can break the cycle, but bad because then I can't sleep when I'm on steroids. So you're either in pain <laughs> or yeah. out of pain, but you can't sleep. So you just, it, it becomes a, a bit of a struggle from that standpoint. But, um, you know, it's, I'm in a bit of a bad stretch multiple months since January of just probably four or five cycles since January that I haven't been able to get out of. So it's, this is, it's, it's not been, I'm going to the neurologist tomorrow. As a matter of fact, we're kind of kind of wipe the slate clean and try to start over with something new because what's, what's, what we're trying now is not working for me, unfortunately. Yeah. It sounds very, hard actually uh especially if you don't know when it's going to come uh so you're talking about treatment when the migraine occurs do you have any treatment that you can take regularly to try to avoid them occurring yes there are multiple classes of drugs that um neurologists can prescribe to try to preventative um for preventative measures uh, I have been through them all, as far as I understand. Um, and we are now back to trying things that have worked for me in the past for stretches of time. So um, there are lots of people in the migraine community who do find the thing that works for them, and it will work for them forever. And okay. that is amazing. I am not one of those people. Um, and my understanding from my neurologist, um, who has been fantastic, um, I've been lucky to find someone here locally in Northern Virginia, outside of DC, um, who will stay on top of what is coming out new and is willing to push the envelope for me. And, you know, healthcare here in the US is always a challenge, um, but who will push my insurance. And I have really good insurance, luckily, here in the US um, that will approve a lot of new things for me. Um, so we've tried a lot of things. We're actually now back to things. I'm currently on a lot of things are anti-seizure drugs because it is neurological. Yeah. Um, so I'm you know on some anti-seizure drugs right now, but they have kind of run their course for me and are clearly no longer working. Um, there are, um, I've done some infusions every quarter that worked for me for a period of time. I don't know if we'll go back to that, um, but there are... Um, blood pressure medications that work for people. There are actually antidepressants that work for people. Uh, there are a whole host of things. Um, it is not for lack of the medical community and the research community trying um, to find classes of drugs. It's usually off-label at first. Yeah. Um, there are, I actually do 
Botox injections into my scalp and the in my um, back of my neck really? uh, every quarter because there are theories that there are um, muscles involved in um, migraines as well. Uh, I'm not a big fan of having botulism um, injected into myself every yeah. quarter, but we did try to go off of them for a period of time and it had terrible results from that. So we've been able to really? stick with that. Okay. Um, so there's, they, they try everything. Um, so there, so that's preventative for me. I'm actually due for those next week, as a matter of fact. So I'm afraid to stop that. Um, so there are a whole host of things to continually try. So we'll see what he says tomorrow. If we've got a new, a new course, um, of things to try, but yeah, so there's preventative, then there's things to take rescue medication for when you do get a migraine and then there's yeah. breakers. So there's really those three types of, of medication choices. Um, and I've got all three in the arsenal. And how do you feel when you are experiencing the migraine? Is it pain? Is it that it affects your senses? How does it impact you? So for me, mine have always started, and for a lot of migrainers, they're on one side of the body or the other. So mine have always been behind my left eye is okay. where they start for me. So mine have always been left side dominant. Um, so it is it is pain. Um, and then there's a lot of sense sensitivity. Um, so for me, it's, it's light more than sound. A lot of um, migrainers get one a few sound or a few sense sensitivities so i need darkness okay. whenever i'm having a migraine um a lot of people have sound sensitivities as well like they need complete quiet that's not typically a challenge for me when i'm having a really terrible one sound will be a challenge mm -hmm. um a lot of people also have um scent sensitivities now sense in my earlier migraine days scent would scent would set scent would set off a migraine for me so really? okay like walking through a department store um perfume section mm -hmm. was a horrible experience for me like i could not like i would walk i would come out of there with a migraine like i would have to avoid that section okay of a store. So I was very scent sensitive. Mm -hmm. There's actually here in my neighborhood, there are, there's a neighbor that has, we avoid it when we walk the dogs. There's a neighbor there's called Linden trees and okay. they set, they have this, to me, it is a horrible smell. It's, a, it smells like terrible perfume. Mm -hmm. So we go all the way around the block for me to avoid these neighbors trees and it's literally this time of year it's late spring early summer because yeah. the scent is so it goes it's like it sends like a stake up my nose it's so horrible like we walk all the way around for like six weeks because they're setting off this scent so i have like a scent trigger um and a, it's sorry to interrupt but it's, no, it's, it's, it's really interesting that like sense of smell is like particles or molecules that you breathe in and they send a signal that we associate with a positive or negative 
yes. sense, essentially. Yes. But that for that to trigger a migraine, do you know if there's any explanation behind it? Not that anyone can tell me, but there are, I mean, they early in migraine journeys, they tell you to start tracking what your triggers are. Okay. Because it's you, if you can figure out what might be causing them so you can avoid it. So I know the list. I know the things that, mm -hmm. you know, what my triggers are. And most migraine sufferers can tell you. So there are certain scents and it's only a few for me, but other things for me are dehydration. So I know if I get dehydrated, I will trigger a migraine for myself. Okay. So, um, and as a, for, as a endurance athlete, that was always, I was a runner for a very, very long time. Um, until in the last few years, I put three stress fractures in the same foot, um, Ooh, that no okay. one can seem to figure out why. So my long distance running days are behind me, um, unfortunately, but you know, so dehydration for sure was a trigger for me and hunger can be a trigger for me as well. So I'm a, you know, I eat on a schedule. I'm always, you always see me with water bottle with me. So you yeah. know, things that you can control as a migraine sufferer, you know, sometimes to people, it seems a little obsessive, you know, that, but you know, like I need to eat on a certain schedule. I need to make sure I always have water with me or something to drink because, you know, if I throw myself into a three day migraine, you know, that's extremely disruptive to life. Um, and you know, it, it becomes, you know, sometimes to people without having time to explain, why do I behave this way? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I travel a lot for work. I, you know, I, but I always make sure my team makes fun of me. Like I've, they're like, you want to travel with Kara? Cause you always, she always makes sure you're fed. She always, <laughs> she, she always makes sure there's time to eat. She's always yeah. making sure everybody has something to drink, you know, because I'm a, I'm taking care of myself, but mm -hmm. you know, that's always, you know, there's always meals worked into everything that we do because I have to make sure I eat or, you know, the whole schedule gets completely thrown off because I have to stop because I can't continue. So those things are always in my mind. You know, I can't be as spontaneous as I would like to be because I got to stop and eat or find something to drink. Uh, yeah, yeah. All right. I can imagine. And you, you, you talked about people thinking that it's, it might be obsessive, but uh, if, if they would experience what you do, I'm sure they would do the same. Right. Yeah. Uh, but it's a good segue to, to my next question so how do you manage then to carry on like the working life uh, or socializing and so on if you don't know when you're going to have your next migraine um, it's hard uh, I'm fortunate so I work from home primarily when I'm not traveling for work so yeah. um, and I have an incredibly understanding CEO I have an incredibly understanding team um, you know, it's, you know, just, you know, an incredibly flexible place that I work. So that is something I'm extremely lucky to have. Um, I've worked at HireClicks now for six and a half years. And even before, and I worked for myself before that. So that was mm -hmm. definitely a consideration. Um, and I've had very flexible um managers for a big chunk of my existence in my migraine world. Um, so that has been lucky, you know, working from home. If I do end up with a migraine in the middle of the day, you know, 
my office is two feet from my bedroom. You yeah. know, I can I have blackout curtains. You know that that allows me to get you know the darkness there. Um, I've got one of the folks on my team, and I have worked together for over fifteen years. You know, she's like my right hand. Okay. I trust her with everything, so that has been great. Um, so I have a lot of flexibility there. Not everybody has that capability. I and I that has been great. Um, it does indeed, you know, I could be on the road at a client site and in the middle of a migraine. Um, I have what I call sometimes walking migraines where I can somewhat function and I'm not a hundred percent at my best, but I have to push through, um, my pain tolerance over 30 years has gone up. I mean, I have had medical professionals in other aspects of, you know, knee surgeries, foot issues, tell me your pain tolerance is somewhat ridiculously high. So I guess I thank the migraines for that. I don't know. (laughs) Um, Because it's, this has gone, I mean, you know, there's, when I used to track, and I have a little app on my phone where I track migraine days and pain intensity and all those things, there have been months of my life where there's 20 and 22 days of a month where I have had some level of migraine. I can't hide in my bedroom for 22 days of a month. I've got things to do. So you push through some of it, you know, just Sunday. So what's today, Tuesday? So Sunday, I would say I had a walking migraine. We had a very, very close friend's graduation party, a son of a friend who passed away about eight years ago. We weren't going to miss his graduation party. I wasn't Mm -hmm. feeling that great, but we went anyway. I paid for it later in the day, you know, so yeah. you make trade-offs across those things. So it's a little bit of that, but, you know, I've bailed on vacations with friends because I couldn't get on a plane because of a migraine. So, uh, okay. you know, it's, it, it has had impacts for sure. Um, so you make, you make trade-offs, you, it's not ideal, but, you know, I would say most people, would be surprised sometimes to be like, you know, I didn't realize you were pushing through you on the pain meter of, I am probably on a pain meter of four or five. I probably push through most days on those. If it gets over a five, I might back off, might have someone on my team facilitate the meeting and I go off camera to Mm -hmm. still be there, but, you know, function. Um, I, I owe a lot of thanks to really close people in around me in my personal life in my work life you know i made a conscious choice 10 years ago to kind of step out of big corporate america because you know you can only do you can only do so much by saying yeah. you can't be in everything mm-hmm. uh, you were talking about having like managers uh, have been very understanding of your condition yes do have you seen an evolution over the past i don't know 10 15 years because it, it really feels like there's much more acceptance awareness of people living with conditions and how it might impact their ability to work a 9 to 5 uh schedule so have you seen an evolution I have. I I definitely have. I mean, I think I'm probably a little closer to it just because of what I do. I mean, I'm a consultant in the HR and talent acquisition space, so I might be a little closer to seeing it and influencing people in that area. But 
Um, yes, I would, I would say people are more aware. I think people are more conscious of it. I think the pandemic helped us a little mm-hmm. bit with that. Um, you know, I think uh, there are definitely some great things that came out of us having that three-year experience that people realizing um, you know, that we can be more flexible with each other um, in so many ways. I mean, the employment of people with disabilities went up during the mm-hmm. pandemic. Um, people, particularly people with hidden disabilities like mine, you know, you don't think about people with migraines as people with disabilities, but it is 100% a disability. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the flexibility to do my job sometimes at four o'clock in the morning, because that's when I'm awake and not mm-hmm. in pain. And I can just roll down here to my office. And I mean, a lot of work, the work that I do is, you know, just sitting and thinking work and writing things for clients and, you know, putting presentations together. And I can do that whenever, or, you know, I might need to take a nap in the middle of the day and pick it back up at 630 at night or after I'm done eating dinner. And yeah, that's completely fine. Or, you know, I have a client on the West Coast or a client in Asia, by all means, you know, work at, at their time zone. Um, so I definitely think it has gotten better and, you know, people have got more comfortable with asynchronous work as well and not needing to see you do it, but just see the work, the result. So I definitely think it has gotten better from that standpoint. Yeah, well, that's, that's good. And I think you're right that the pandemic really has made a big difference in how flexible working has evolved. Um, yeah. Which, I mean, the pandemic wasn't that great, but no. <laughs> it's no. good to look at, at the positives. Yes. <laughs> and um, so then from, uh, so you, you explained how it impacts you. You mentioned that uh, you had to cancel a holiday because you couldn't go on a plane. So are there things that you can't do? because of the migraines? For example, are you able to drive or or not? Um, I can. There are times where I will choose not to. Um, okay. You know, if it's, if I'm, you know, even if I'm at like a pain level, I would call it a three or four, but it's really bright and sunny out. I would say I don't want to get out in the sun, even with sunglasses, because the, the sun brightness just really increases my pain but in general um yes i i would have no problem driving um from that standpoint so it doesn't necessarily limit me there um you know i will get some since i'm it is a left side of my body challenge um sometimes i'll get like strange weakness on the left side of my body so if i'm in that instance i will just feel uncomfortable, you know, driving if I'm feeling left side weakness. Now, you know, here in the US, all of our cars are automatic for the most part, so I don't need my left foot. Um, (laughs) It's been a while since I've had a a standard um, car, but, you know, I still would feel uncomfortable if I'm having real weakness on the left side of my body. But yeah, if it's sunny out, I would feel in if I was having that kind of pain um, driving, that would that would make me uncomfortable. Okay. I think there's a myth about migraines being just a bad headache. I've heard that several times, but you're yeah. really like it's hard yeah. to explain that it's it's just a 
pain is not even the the really the right word. I was trying to explain to somebody the other day that, you know, it felt like it's just a completely different experience. You know, you think of like tension headache is, or even what some people would call like there's cluster headaches that feel like they're in like one part of your brain. I mean, this is really like a, a wash, a wash is a way to kind of explain it in some instances, because mine will start behind my left eye and then they will grow, grow is a good way. Like through, it'll be, the pain will be in my jaw and it'll come down through the back of my neck and then it'll just radiate sometimes all the way down my leg and into my foot if it's getting really bad. So it's almost Mm -hmm. like all the way down the left side of my body. Um, And yeah, it's, I can't even tell you last time I had an actual tension headache. I'm not even sure I know what that would feel like anymore. Um, So yeah, it's, it's not a really bad headache. Um, It's It's just, that's not even a way to explain it. No, no, no. Well, it's it's good because uh, I've heard that multiple times. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, it's good to hear. Well, well, not that it's good to, to hear about it, but uh, that's why I do this podcast right. to raise awareness and so that people understand that it's much worse than just a bad headache. Yes. Yeah. Uh, is it something you talk about uh, and you share with people around you? Oh, most certainly, yes. Yeah, yeah. If there, yeah, anyone that's that wants to understand or or know, you know, and you know, it's you know, I often people are like, well, well you know, the best que- the best questions people can ask are, you know, what what do you need from me? What can what what can we do? You know, it's you know, you know. God bless my husband, you know, he'll, you know, he's the, what do you need? Make me a nice pack. What do you need? You know, sometimes it, sometimes I want to eat. Sometimes I don't want to eat. Sometimes Mm -hmm. there's something very specific I want to eat. Sometimes I don't know what I want to eat. You know, he's just, he's like, I'll just bring you, he's just amazing after all these years, just to be able to read my face and know, uh, you know, I want a soda. I just need water. You know, leave me alone. Yes, bring me something. You know, the questions to ask are not questions to ask. Um, you know, I know that I'm difficult to live with sometimes during the um, height of the pain. Um, it's. Is it something like, do you manage to talk or? Like depending on the pain level, or do you find it difficult? Um, I yeah, usually because sound is not a challenge for me. So okay. as long as I'm not in a significant amount of pain, I mean, sometimes we'll um, sit in the dark, and as long as the TV is not too bright, you know, binge watch stuff while I'm in uh, okay. a major episode. Like I might not remember what we're watching. Um, because I'm not feeling that great. So he'll use mm-hmm. as an opportunity to binge watch something he wants to watch, um, <laughs> so, which works out just fine. Yeah. Um, right? um, so, so that works out fine. So, you know, and then occasionally, you know, I'll just be like, no, I'm just going to go upstairs and get under the covers and, you know, be, be fine with it. But mm-hmm. yeah, because, yeah, 
you know, I've talked to other migraine sufferers where sound is a problem for them. So it's, you know, need to be completely silent, but I'm fortunately not one that's typically bothered by sound. There will be occasions, I would say, I think a few weeks ago, I remember um, we have a screened in porch on our, um, on our house and it was gorgeous, like perfectly comfortable, beautiful afternoon. And I was in pain. I'm like, I'm just going to go lay out there. And our neighbors were out in their backyard and suddenly their voices just got completely amplified to me. And it was so loud in my head. And I don't normally have that experience. And it's like, okay, this is so occasionally I will have that. And I remember thinking, I am so glad that's not my migraine world. Um, yeah. that would be terrible. So I just had that one blip of mm-hmm. a moment. So it's like, okay, I'm going to go inside and put on my noise canceling headphones and be completely quiet. So you do have these spikes of where certain things will bother you as well. Yeah. You talked about talking to other migraine sufferers. Do you have a community of people who suffer from migraine, who you talk to? Um, I have a couple of Facebook groups that I will pop in and out of from time to time, um, just to see kind of if anyone's discovered, you know, we'd stay on top of what are the new medicines coming out and who Mm -hmm. has tried them and what what their doctors wrote to their insurance to get them approved. Um, We we share those magic statements as well. That's good. Um, so, uh, we, I do have a couple that I will stay in there and, and people, um, will share. And then, um, just people I've met, I'm, there are a lot of us out there. Um, so I do have, um, a few people, you know, obviously both sides of my family, there are people in my family, no one quite at the level as me that I am aware of. Um, I stay really close, particularly with the younger folks in my family to see if whenever I hear of anybody getting close to having anything resembling migraines, just to make sure they've got an advocate. Um, No one I've uncovered just yet. Um, And then, you know, other um, adults I've met throughout my life that are migraine sufferers. So people through work, um, places that soon as anyone's like, oh, (laughs) I've, I have, I've suffering from migraines immediately. Like you should talk to Kara. (laughs) (laughs) So there I'm, I'm quite open about the condition for sure. So I get connected to people and then sharing, um, the post I did on LinkedIn, which is, I think how, how you found me. I definitely have a number of kind of chats going on with folks on LinkedIn who have reached out to share their experience as well. So, um, I definitely have people to connect with for sure. That's good. And I like that about social media because it makes it so much easier to find people who have a similar condition to share experience. And like you said, share potentially treatment that could work for you. So that's that's great. Yes. I will never turn down the reach out of somebody saying, have you tried? Even if I have, I'd be like, yes, I have. And thank you in case I have not heard of it because you never know. No. And hopefully your uh, appointment tomorrow with your neurologist will be a a positive one. Yes. I'm sure he'll see me coming and being like, okay, let's get the next, whatever's next on the list. I'm always willing to try. 
Well, Kara, uh, thanks a lot. I think, as I said earlier, it's really helped, I think, for me at least, understanding what migraine really is uh, and get rid of the myth that I mentioned earlier. Uh, I like finish, finishing by one question. Sure. Uh, what is your happy place, a place where you feel at peace? Oh. My happy place, 100%, is the Outer Banks of North Carolina. Um, so it is a barrier island off the coast of North Carolina here in the U.S. Um, I grew up going there with my family for vacation almost every summer. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just gorgeous, wide beaches, lish- listening to the waves crash. So I grew up as a beach kid. So that is 100% my happy place. It sounds amazing. Uh, it makes me want to go there. <laughs> well, come visit anytime. <laughs> I'll, I'll try. I'll put that on my list. Put it on your list. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks a lot. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for sharing and for raising awareness about migraines. And all the best uh, in your appointment tomorrow. And hopefully you find the right treatment for you. I appreciate it. Thank you so much.